if we are allowing ourselves to believe the worst rather than the best, we're going to see that more. We're going to put the worst explanation on it. What you focus on is what you will see. It's the way that our brains are wired. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Sometimes I think it might be one of the devil's most effective tools, trying to take advantage of our tendency to focus on the worst or draw the most pessimistic conclusions and assuming unfavorable motives, especially of those we love the most. It's something Shanti Feldhahn has been thinking about a lot lately, the kind of serious damage our negative thinking can do to relationships. A little advice here. Listen to this one with an open mind and an open heart. While we might be tempted to think of someone else that needs to hear this conversation, it could be that God has something for each of us in this podcast. So we wanted to talk today, Shante, about uh, a series of articles that you wrote on nixing the negative in relationships. I thought that was so good. First of all, what led you to write it? Essentially, I really want to equip people with like practical bite-sized stuff, right? And with the kind of stuff that's like, oh... I didn't know that. And it's one little thing, one little practical thing that you can then go and apply immediately, Hmm. you know, in your next conversation with someone or whatever. One of the most important pieces of that puzzle is opening our eyes to the stuff that we don't get, right? And there are very few things that I've studied (laughs) over 20 years and all the research I've done that we don't get As much as how often we are negative and unkind Mm. and say things in a way that's actually hurtful to somebody without ever realizing it. And so that's the reason I wanted to do this um, blog series is like, okay, there's way more than we could put into one blog series. It's what I did for the research for the book, The Kindness Challenge. Right, which was awesome. chapters on this. Yes. Um, But... In terms of some of those points, everybody's like, oh, man, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't realize it. Totally. That's what we wanted to do. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, obviously, several years ago when you first wrote the, the Kindness Challenge, we actually not only talked to yes, you about it, did. but we did a major focus on it, encouraged the whole yep. Mybridrative family to take part in it. And actually, it's one thing that I feel like it would be super healthy if people did that every single year, that like they just had their kind of Kindness Challenge month of the year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, truly, part of the issue is, as I as I mentioned, that we all think we are kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we value that. Like, it's something that's really important to, I'm sure, 100% of the people listening. And it was certainly important to me. And it wasn't until I did the 30-Day Kindness Challenge, just like you guys did, that I went, oh, man, <laughs> I had no idea mm-hmm. how often I'm being unkind. And so, yes, I I totally agree. I have had to do it every year, <laughs> and I really encourage everybody to do that. Yeah, so good. Yeah, so in that uh, series of blog articles, you, you talked about, you used a word. We're all pretty much familiar with the word conceptually, but actually it's not a word that I use a lot, and, and I don't have come up in conversations a lot, which is suspicion, right? I, yeah. I probably see it on TV yeah. actually more, you know, like that's not a word that, that often, but you use that word and apply it to all of us, but, and say that that's, that's a dynamic that very much is alive and well in relationships often. So exactly. let's talk about that a little bit. How would you define suspicion and why did you 
choose that word. I know because we we think suspicion means where were you last night? <laughs> right. Like it, we think that that's what it means. And sure, sometimes that is what it means. Mm -hmm. But we don't realize actually the bigger picture of suspicion is actually in, in many ways, it's actually kind of believing the worst about someone's intentions towards mm. you. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. And one of the most um, common causes for heartache in marriage, but it's also in friendship and family relationships and workplace stuff and with your kids, one of the most common um, dynamics that causes problems is this little germ that's in our minds of believing the worst mm -hmm. about someone's intentions rather than flipping it on its head and going, you know, wait a minute. No, I know my husband loves me. I know my wife appreciates me. I, you know, why am I reacting in this way to the fact that they said something and I just jump to mm -hmm. the believing the worst? And it, it happens so much yeah. more than we realize. I've got situations and conversations and interactions going through my head. <laughs> now, again, the interesting thing is those ones that I'm thinking about are the ones, the times that people were suspicious of me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, you know, how about the times that I was suspicious of them, obviously? But but it is interesting the number of times when it is that way where they're suspicious of me. Using, again, I didn't use that word, but I love the word. And I thought, yeah. man, I'm thinking, really? Like with all the context of our relationship and all the things that have been positive, Absolutely. you're thinking that about me in terms of my motive or something? Well, let's give an example because people are probably like, what? Yeah. So that everybody can go, oh, <laughs> right. Like I, this is something that happened to me so often um, because Jeff is an attorney and you know, if he is on a big client job or whatever, we do a lot of the research together and the writing together, but he also still does legal work. And there would be times when it would be like, you have been working, you know, 60, 70 hour weeks and we've missed all these things with the kids. And don't you care about me? Hmm. Like, why are you, you know, can't you just tell them no? Like, you know, basically sort of why can't you whatever, fill in the blank, right? And I don't realize that what I am thinking, like if I translate that, you know, why don't, can't you just tell them no? That translates to, he doesn't care about me. Hmm. You know, one of the things that Jeff was finally able to put into words was, do you think I want to be working this much? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm doing it because I care about us and the family and I'm, you know, trying to provide and, and whatever. And that's an example of so much that we think in our heads translates to this person doesn't care about me. Hmm. And sometimes, unfortunately, that is accurate. There's a small percentage of people that are just, they just don't care. Um, but that is a tiny mm. percentage statistically. Mm -hmm. Most of the time they do. And so we really have to sort of think about what's a more generous explanation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as we're talking about this whole dynamic of suspicion and that, that we, if we're not careful, can, we can foster in our relationships. Yeah. And uh, so again, it's not a word that probably most of us think about. We definitely definitely don't think of it in terms of us <laughs> towards other people uh, very often. But um, why is it important? Like, like, what's the importance of recognizing the suspicion that's in our lives and making sure that we're aware of it and that we're addressing it? Well, here's the main big picture reason 
is that there is a uh, neuroscience principle um, that's actually really, really crucial, um, which is that what you focus on is what you will see, right? Like it's the way that our brains are wired. It's the way God has wired our brains, right? It's just, it truly is um, one of those areas that in this case, if we are allowing ourselves to believe the worst rather than the best, especially of our spouse, we're going to see that more. Like our brains are kind of go going to go in that direction. And we're going to say, oh, and you know, not only is he working 60 hours a week, but now he wants to spend the holidays with his family instead mm. of my family. Like mm. it, it now, you know, he really doesn't care about engaging with the family or whatever, right? Like we're going to, as opposed to, oh, of course he wants to spend Christmas with the family. His brother's been sick. Right. Right. Like, you know, it, it is, we're going to put the worst explanation on it, even if we would never think that that's what we're doing. But what you focus on is what you'll see. And so it becomes at that point, now I'm suspicious of his family. Mm. And now I'm like getting irritated when he wants to spend an hour on the phone call, on the phone, talking to his brother about his brother's surgery or whatever, as opposed to kind of going, of course he wants to do that. And how can I support that? And it, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because wow. we're going to see the next thing and the next thing, and we're going to miss hmm. all of the good, all of the stuff that, you know, whatever is lovely and excellent and worthy of praise, <laughs> yeah. right? That's there too. Hmm. That's so good. So here's why I'm so excited about talking about this. And I'm already experiencing it in my life, which I want to say thank you for the fruit of it. Because uh, I think about that scripture, I think it's in Romans where it talks about where Paul says, I didn't know that it was only through the law that I learned about coveting. And once I learned about it, I recognized it in all these places, right? I did. Yeah. I would not have seen coveting in me if I hadn't been, if the law hadn't shined the light of that truth in my heart. And so that's what you're doing for us today. Like, as we think about our relationship, seriously, like the light of the truth of this concept of suspicion is exposing, like my mind's going to all these places and times, even currently where I'm fostering maybe a level of suspicion in my heart towards someone. So I just, so thanks. That's a, it's a powerful thing to to think about. Oh, I will, I will tell you whatever we, when we were doing the research for the 30 day kindness challenge, you know, we were doing that whole process. Project. Mm-hmm. I will confess, this is embarrassing, but I will confess this, that, you know, one of the, the elements that we had people do every day for 30 days was to not say anything negative, right? Which is sort of what this blog is a little bit, this blog series is referring to. And I was thinking to myself, oh, these other things I'm going to have to work on, you know, but I'm not negative. Like, that's not something I'm good. That's not an issue for me. Like I said, this is embarrassing to a bit, but... <laughs> And then I actually, we actually did the study and we, we actually identified these different patterns of negativity, like the blog series covered three of them, but there are actually seven. Mm. And one of the patterns of negativity nailed me Mm. because it's exasperation. And I would get exasperated with my kids all the time. Like, oh my gosh, we spent like hours on that science project, buddy. And then you didn't turn it in. Like what, you know, my voice is rising and I don't realize that basically what I'm saying to my sweet kid is you're an idiot. Mm. (laughs) Like I would never say that, but that's kind of what I'm saying. Right. And so then I go, oh my goodness, like 
I really do have a negative pattern here. I do have an unkind pattern. And oh my word, I am seeing it everywhere. Mm. Like it's what it's what you just said, right? Once you see your pattern or patterns in some of our cases, <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, it's not just my kids that I get exasperated with. I get exasperated with the slow clerk at the grocery store. Mm. I get exasperated with a colleague, you know, when she didn't call me back quickly enough. It's like, what? <laughs> God is always at work among us. Our reality is in stark contrast to the reality for believers of Jesus living in persecuted countries. Activate Global My Bridge to the Nations recently met with a group of Jesus followers in the Horn of Africa and learned about the reality of life there. Some regions were doing well and seeing God pour out his favor upon them. Other regions saw extreme drought and famine where over a million cattle had perished due to lack of water. Some leaders shared difficult stories of persecution, like crops burned, homes destroyed, and physical attack. With a government spy living within every 10 homes, the Christian church was forced underground. Daily, they were losing Christ followers to imprisonment. In fact, one leader's pastor had been in prison for 20 years. And yet, through the encouragement and support of Activate Global, these leaders continue to lead their kingdom business, learn discipleship tools, and spread hope, even when underground, in a country that is largely unreached with the gospel. Where there are people unreached in a place so hard to reach, few have been reached and very few are trying. God is on the move through Activate Global, My Bridge to the Nations, which is sending and supporting workers through kingdom businesses. God is doing something right now. My Bridge Radio, celebrating God at work among us. Share your story and join the conversation in the Connect Now section at mybridgeradio.net. So Shanti, let's let's get to the solution side for a moment here, specifically in terms of the suspicion. So I've been stirred, I've been challenged this morning as I'm hearing about this whole thing about suspicion and seeing its evidence clearly fingerprints in my life. What do I do? Like how do I combat this tendency towards suspicion towards others? Yeah. So the most important thing to practice, if you kind of reverse engineer it, if what you focus on is what you'll see. You have to train yourself to see a more generous explanation Mm -hmm. for whatever it is. And like I said, sometimes that's not going to be the case, right? Like there have been cases where I was working with, you know, a colleague on something and I'm like, I think they're trying to leave me out of this. And son of a gun, they were (laughs) like that. I mean, we have to be honest, that does happen. But in most cases, especially when it comes to something like your marriage, um, but usually in, in most other cases as well, if you actually look for a more generous explanation, you'll actually find it. Like I used an example that was a real life example. Um, I didn't, I don't think I said this in the blog series, but there was one occasion where in a different situation, uh, uh, there was a pretty important um, meeting and there were like 15 or 20 emails on a string inviting people to this pretty important meeting. And I didn't find out about it until like 
the day before, or maybe even a few hours before, I can't remember. And I thought, they're trying to leave me out. And then I went, (laughs) no, wait, that is highly unlikely. What's another explanation? And so I actually reached out to the person and they were going through all of this like family stuff and just incredibly busy and literally just skipped my name, just had a list that they were working through and just didn't include my email on it. And I would have ruined this really actually important ministry relationship by assuming something that was negative. And so it's kind of that as the starting point is, okay, I have to confront and I have to look for a more generous explanation. Because usually usually you'll find it. Yeah. And that seems so simple, but it's so accurate and so true. I can think about times where I did it right (laughs) as you're talking about that. I've done it wrong probably more than I've done it right. But I can think about about times where, again, even co-workers, you know, here at my bridge where, you know, I'm like, how come they didn't do this? Whatever that is, right? And <laughs> and initially there's this suspicion that comes up of assuming something negative. And then I'll think about, I'll intentionally think about like, no, no, who, who do I know this person is? What have they shown me from patterns? What do I know about their schedule right now? Maybe even that there's other dynamics. And sure enough, yeah, there were other dynamics. It wasn't the thing I was suspicious about, right? So super helpful, very practical, but very helpful. Well, it's also, can we turn to marriage for a second? Yeah, absolutely. In marriage, it's also essential. It's actually the only, when we did, this was a completely different research study. Um, when we did our study for um, the secrets of the happiest marriages, mm-hmm. right? Like, what is it that the happiest marriages are doing differently? Even than people in great marriages, but like maybe not at the very, very top. And one of the factors that was basically a prerequisite for having a happy marriage was willingness to believe the best of your spouse's intentions towards you. Wow. And it is it is one of the things that we actually say pretty, there's maybe a couple exceptions to this, but I can't think of any, where it is impossible to have a thriving, abundant marriage without that. Hmm. Because it's always going to be this little germ that gets in the way as opposed to, no, they're not perfect. Just like I'm not perfect. And we're going to hurt each other's feelings. Like, you know, one of the comments in the happy marriages study that I thought was hilarious was this one guy who's like, even the most amazing, awesome, godly, thoughtful Christian husband or wife can be a jerk sometimes. And yet we we have to actually believe that they care, mm-hmm. like that they really too truly have the best intentions mm-hmm. towards us yeah. in marriage in everything else. It's important for our relationship, for our thriving, for our ability to have good relationships with our colleagues or our kids or whatever. Everywhere else, it's it's like important. I think in marriage, it's a prerequisite. Wow. Got to nix the negative. (laughs) All right. Yep. Let's talk about one more negative dynamic that you talk about in this blog series, uh, Shantae. You talk about grumbling and complaining. (laughs) So, yeah, I think we all kind of know and understand that a little bit. But uh, tease that out a little bit and and share with us maybe the the, uh, antidote for that one as well. Well, so again, if if I were to ask people in a room who here thinks that you you know have a problem with grumbling and complaining, I mean, it's going to raise their hands <laughs> for that. Like, no, 
that we do, right? But how often might you think, and this is an example we used in the blog, how often might you think, I told him not to use that recipe for the whatever meal. Like I told him that that, that, that would be, you know, the turkey would be dry or, you know, whatever. And uh, the, the meal is ruined. How many times do we do that? That's, that's what that is. Mm. And we don't, we don't realize it um, as opposed to going, oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Maybe the recipe didn't turn out the way we wanted, but look at all this food. Mm that we have on the table, how many people around the world would be so astonished at this amount and abundance of food? Like, thank you. Which you're getting to the antidote on that one, right? So, which is the right. antidote yeah, to grumbling. Sorry, oh, no, you're up. good. Sorry, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard, you know, there's two sides of the coin, right? So on the one side is grumbling, complaining, <laughs> and the other side of it is gratitude. It is. And it, you know what's interesting? One of the things, you know, you mentioned the PhD program that I'm in. And, you know, I'd avoided for years tackling my PhD, um, tackling a PhD, I'll be honest. I would avoid that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, to be candid, I had my professional degree, you know, my master's degree. I had worked on Wall Street and I, you know, had had developed this method of doing applied research, mm-hmm. um, which is something that you can apply tomorrow, like, you know, practical. And to me, the academic world was like, you know, white ivory tower, you know, like not practical. But it, it is interesting once it's a long story that we won't get into here. But once God pushed me into doing this, it was like, you need to do this. One of the things that I saw that applies to what we're talking about here is statistically, the studies that have been done on this epidemic of mental health issues that we're facing today, you know, from adults to teens to kids, where there's this massive spike in, for example, anxiety, a lot of it can be tied to this. Mm. And we don't realize it. But we have, if you want to, you know, kind of use the counselor speak or the PhD speak, we have, you know, negative rumination, which is that I can't believe whatever and your brain goes, you know, down a path um, or whatever. It is so related to whether or not we will switch where our brain automatically wants to go. Mm. And all of us can. That's the thing that's so encouraging about this. We found that in our research for the kindness challenge, there's been tons of academic research that have found the same thing. All of us can switch that. Mm. It's just we we have to confront at the beginning that we need to switch it. Right. <laughs> because most of us don't see the need. Mm. We don't realize we do it. Huh. So we got to move from grumbling to gratitude. Yes. Yeah. So good. Some days you're grabbing lunch with a friend. Other days, you're grabbing a Kleenex in tears as you once again find yourself alone. For those days, make sure you get connected to help you shift your perspective. Shift your perspective. Download the MyBridge Radio app. Press play. Simple. I said the grumbling and complaining was the last one, but I, I want to talk a little bit about sarcasm. Oh, I'm so glad you got to that Yeah, because it's another <laughs> negative that you talk about in relationships. And that one can be so actually culturally affirmed, right? Because it's like, yes. oh, we're just kind of poking fun. And, it's in, and we think of it as a healthy thing 
all the time, really, even though probably most of us have gotten zinged a time or two or three or five by somebody being sarcastic and it hit a little close to home. But but yeah, talk about the whole sarcasm negative aspect. The funny thing about this is how many people really, it is sort of affirmed as you go more the direction of what you're affirmed. I One of the most common speaking formats that I do is when actually well, a, a pastor will uh, bring me in and interview me on stage as the sermon time. Right. So it's it's their message. But I'm kind of the the subject matter expert, I guess, you know, talking about the research. And this one topic, whenever we do, you know, the church is doing a 30 day kindness challenge or the <laughs> pastor is doing a sermon series on the fruits of the spirit or whatever. And they always say, take us through what are these negative you know, things that we don't realize, these unkind things. And when I mention sarcasm, <laughs> I've had multiple pastors who are like, oh, but sarcasm is my spiritual gift. <laughs> <laughs> and because that's the way we think about it. And and here's what we found in the research um, that everybody kind of knows is true once they hear it. It's that it can be just funny. Like if everybody in the room, the person you're being sarcastic with and everybody else listening, if they know that you have 100% goodwill towards this other person, you unconditionally love them or you unconditionally respect them or appreciate them, you know, whatever that is, if everybody in the room knows that, then it's just funny, right? But here's the problem is that actually Sometimes it actually tips over. We've been sarcastic enough that it actually casts that goodwill into doubt. And so the other person is like going, ha, 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 you know, on the outside, they're laughing. And on the inside, they're going, did did she mean that? Mm-hmm. Did did he mean that? Like, there's a little bit of truth to every joke. Is that is that how she feels about me? And it it undermines how they feel that you feel about them. And so they start to build a wall actually. And so they start to sort of say, I have to protect myself a little bit. And suddenly, you've created a problem that you would never have intended or wanted to create. Mm -hmm. And so that's the reason why for the 30 day kindness challenge, we're like, okay, this is just 30 days, like you, you don't have to do this forever. But pick this person that you're going to do this for and And if sarcasm is your type of negativity, just don't be sarcastic at all Mm -hmm. towards them for those 30 days. And watch, A, how hard it is, and B, you'll actually see, oh my gosh, I'm... I'm I'm actually seeing that there was a wall. I didn't notice that before. Right. Yeah. Part part of the thing I think is so interesting about and dangerous about sarcasm is what you said a little bit ago, which is there is always a little bit of truth in terms of what you're saying. Otherwise, it wouldn't be funny at all, right? So, yeah. so, so then it becomes this skillful thing that you've got to be able to navigate, and a lot of people aren't very skillful at it, right? So, so that's the thing. It's it. it some people can do it well for the most part. Even though, again, it always at some point is going to cross over, but like some people just do it bad, but they, so it's just this dangerous place. And and part of the thing for me too, is I still remember years and years and years ago, I was a guy who was kind of a spiritual mentor in my life. And we were standing in his front yard, just kind of chatting and someone that he knew rode by on a bike and uh, just said something very sarcastic about him, just thinking he was funny. And, uh, and then he rode off, right? And, and my friend said, ha ha, right? So just like he said, but afterwards he was just just reflecting and he said, you know what? There's lots of things in this world that tear us down. He goes, I want to be someone who always builds other people up. And I've never, ever forgot that. And I thought, you know, for whatever little momentary 
thrill we can get out of being sarcastic or little enjoyment that we think it might bring. Boy, in the world that we live in, how much more vital is it to have people who don't go there and just always be thinking creatively about how to bless? Yeah, so glad you mentioned that. It, I'm so glad you put it that way. It has become, it's odd, it's, it's odd and interesting that you introduced this topic the way you did, um, because it is absolutely true that it becomes affirmed in the culture. Mm-hmm. It becomes like a skill yep. almost of scoring points, right? <laughs> of figuring out the perfect zinger. Mm-hmm. And how many of us actually go, oh, maybe, you know, especially if once we realize this, maybe I need to be actually working on a skill of being funny without scoring points. Like that's actually a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, or actually working on the skill of how can I encourage somebody? And those are the people that you want to be around, Absolutely. right? Like think about those people in your life that you know that are like that. Who would you rather hang out with? You being all sarcastic or that person? Mm-hmm. It's pretty convicting. Yeah, so it totally is. Yeah. So we're coming up on a new year. Boy, what a great opportunity to maybe do some evaluating of relationships. You think about that. Are, is, is there a step or two, application point or two that you would recommend as people to consider as they go into a new year? I'm going to do a commercial for the 30-day kindness Love challenge. Love it. Do here. it. Do it. Love it. <laughs> you don't mind. 100%. Just because we've seen empirically, yes. this has this massive impact. But I mean, truly, it really is a matter of doing something purposeful. And in all seriousness, it doesn't have to be the 30-day kindness challenge. I would love it to something be. Something <laughs> purposeful. Yeah. Do something purposeful where essentially it's sort of a boot camp for yourself um, of, okay, how can I become a person that builds someone up instead of tearing them down? Mm-hmm. How can I be a person of kindness instead of unintentional and unrecognized unkindness? And so the do you mind if I just explain what the 30 day kindness challenge really briefly? Because it's really simple, right? It's you, you pick a person that you interact with fairly regularly. Like I did this for our 16 year old daughter at the time and you know, great kid, but 16. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. I really, I really wanted a better relationship before she went off to college. And, um, but you can do this for your spouse or colleagues or whatever. And so what you do for that person for 30 days, you do the same three things every day. And the first is you actually do what we're talking about here. You don't say anything negative about them. Um, And here's the key, either to them or about them Mm. to somebody else. And that's often where we sabotage ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so then the second thing you do every day for 30 days is you find something to praise, right? You find something you can sincerely affirm instead of the negative. (laughs) And you tell them and you tell somebody else. And then third, you do a small action of generosity or kindness for them. And, you know, we think of that as being like acts of service, but it doesn't have to be of generosity for my daughter. When she would come running in my to my office and I'm working on a deadline, she's like, mom, watch this little TikTok video with me. And I'm like, in an hour, honey, <laughs> I'm done with this deadline. An act of generosity is turning my attention to her when she's excited about it, not an hour later. Mm-hmm. And it's just five minutes, but it says you're valuable. If you do those three things every day for 30 days, we found that 89% of relationships improve. And the reason, it isn't just that you're changing the temperature of the relationship, which you are for sure. The biggest thing that you're doing is changing you. Mm. And you know how we talked about 
like your mindset, that's what's changing. Mm. And so that is going to come out in how we treat eventually everybody and will become more of the people that hopefully all of us want to be anyway. (laughs) This just helps us get there. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And thank you for going there. Thank you for for sharing about that. And one of the things that struck me when we did the Kindness Challenge, which I want to do again this year, is that's very simple to do. So I thought, well, what's the book going to help? Like, cause it's, I got it. But then when I read the book, I'm like going, oh, that was super helpful. So as simple as it is, and yes, you can apply it without the book, but yet the book just gave so much more insight and perspective about, about what was going on that it was extremely helpful. I appreciate you saying that. Well, and the other thing that actually is a really helpful tool is to take the assessment before you start, because there's actually at jointhekindnesschallenge.com, if you don't mind me saying that, um, the the website, a ministry partner stepped forward and built this whole thing for us so we could offer everything for free. Uh, But there's this assessment at jointhekindnesschallenge.com that says, where are you starting? What is your sort of starting point in kindness towards this person? Because again, all of us think we're starting at this great place. And then you take the assessment and it's like, oh dear, (laughs) I hadn't, I hadn't really come to terms. Mm -hmm. Like what we've been talking about this whole time. Mm -hmm. I hadn't really come to terms with the fact that I'm really not as kind as I think I am. Mm -hmm. So So then you actually know what to work on during the 30 days. Thank you so much for your time. Always valuable, always appreciated. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate what you do. We know your time is valuable, so we're grateful you chose to spend some of it listening to Morning Conversation, the podcast. If God used this content to bless you, we'd love to have you share it with a friend. Also, when you click subscribe or follow, not only will our next episode be delivered to your podcast app, you'll help raise awareness so others can more easily find this podcast. For more conversations like this, along with songs of hope and stories of God at work, we invite you to listen to MyBridge Radio. Hear it on the MyBridge Radio app or listen online at mybridgeradio.net.